In these last days, the Bible predicts a turning away from biblical truth. In order to combat false teachings that are running rampant and a growing lack of biblical literacy, Behold Israel provides weekly public readings of Scripture to equip you with the pure Word of God, read in an international community with interaction and application. Each week, we host different guests from all walks of life. Our original readings can be found on our Behold Israel community channel on YouTube or on our Facebook channel. These are audio versions created to make it convenient for your busy schedule. Now, on to our readings. Good evening here and welcome to another public reading of Scripture with Behold Israel. Thanks for joining us, whether it's morning, evening, middle of the night. With me tonight, is, and my name is Jason, by the way, Jason Comins. I'm our administrative assistant here at the ministry. And with me tonight is our director of finance and founding board member, H.T. Novak. H.T., welcome. Thank you, Jason. Yeah, and hello, you. hello to everyone out there. Yes, welcome, welcome. Uh, and to those of you who see this later, thanks for reviewing it and joining with us as we read through the entire book of Jonah, four chapters. Uh, before we begin, HT is going to open our time in prayer. Father, we just thank you for this special time together this evening, just to sit and calm our hearts, calm our spirits for a few minutes and just read scripture together. Just try to absorb what you have to say to us in your holy word. And we just the fact that we can do this and, and be in touch with people all over the world is an amazing thing in my mind. So, Father, we just thank you for our, all that you'll uh, teach us this evening and what we'll see in your word as you speak to us. As in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So friends, as we read through the book of Jonah tonight, we're going to be using the New King James Version. I'll give you a second to turn over there. That's the New King James Version. If you don't have one, that's okay. Join along with what you have. Four chapters tonight. Now, just so you have a heads up, we're not going to stop between chapters. We're going to read it continuously. I'll take chapters one and three, and HT will take chapters two and four. And we're just going to read straight through this and see how God speaks through, his, through the book of Jonah this evening in one continuous reading. So picking up Jonah chapter one, join me. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah arose to flee to Tarshish, the other direction, from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa, and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea, and there was a mighty tempest on the sea, so that the ship was about to be broken up. Then the, mar the mariners were afraid, and every man cried out to his God and threw the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten the load. But Jonah had gone down into the lowest parts of the ship, had lain down, and was fast asleep. So the captain came to him and said to him, What do you mean, sleeper? Arise, call on your God. Perhaps your God will consider us so that we may not perish. So along the way, acknowledging that his gods can't save. And they said to one another, Come, let us cast lots that we may know for whose cause this trouble has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Please tell us, 
For whose cause is this trouble upon us? What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he, so he said to them, I am a Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, Why have you done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. Then they said to him, What shall we do to you that the sea may be calm for us? For the sea was growing more tempestuous. And he said to them, Pick me up and throw me into the sea, then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that this great tempest is because of me. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to return to land, but they could not, for the sea continued to grow more tempestuous against them. Therefore they cried out to the Lord and said, We pray, O Lord, please do not let us perish for this man's life, and do not charge us with innocent blood, for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah, threw him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly and offered a sacrifice to the Lord and took vows. Now the Lord had prepared, the Lord had prepared a great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. HT chapter 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried out to the Lord because of my affliction. And he answered me. Out of the belly of Sheol I cried, and you heard my voice. For you cast me into the deep, into the heart of the seas, and the floods surrounded me. All your billows and your waves passed over me. Then I said, I have been cast out of your sight, yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The waters surrounded me even to my soul. The deep closed around me. Weeds were wrapped around my head. I went down to the moorings of the mountains. The earth with its bars closed behind me forever. Yet you have brought up my life from the pit, O Lord my God. When my soul fainted within me, I remembered the Lord. And my prayer went up to you, into your holy temple. Those who regard worthless idols forsake their own mercy. But I will sacrifice to you with the voice of thanksgiving. I will pay what I have vowed. Salvation is of the Lord. So the Lord spoke to the fish, and it vomited Jonah out onto dry land. Jonah chapter 3. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah the second time, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and preach to it the message that I tell you. So Jonah arose and went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. Then he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh shall be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God, proclaimed a fast, and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with sackcloth and, and sat in ashes, and he caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, 
Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink water. But let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we may not perish? Then God saw their works, that they turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them, and he did not do it. Jonah chapter 4. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he became angry. So he prayed to the Lord and said, Ah, Lord, was not this what I said when I was still in my country? Therefore I fled previously to Tarshish, for I know that you are a gracious and merciful God, slow to anger and abundant and loving kindness, one who relents from doing harm. Therefore now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord said, Is it right for you to be angry? So Jonah went out of the city and sat on the east side of the city. There he made himself a shelter and sat in, under it in the shade till he might see what would become of the city. And the Lord God prepared a plant and made it come up over Jonah that it might be shade for his head to deliver him from his misery. So Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But as morning dawned the next day, God prepared a worm and it so damaged the plant that it withered. And it happened when the sun arose that God prepared a vehement east wind and the sun beat on Jonah's head so that he grew faint. Then he wished death for himself and said, It is better for me to die than to live. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the plant? And he said, It is right for me to be angry, even to death. But the Lord said, you have had pity on the plant for which you have not labored, nor made it grow, which came up in a night and perished in a night. And should I not pity Nineveh, that great city, in which are more than 120,000 persons who cannot discern between their right hand and their left and much livestock? Hmm. I don't know. I guess for me, if I were to sum up this book, for me, it's all characterized in those last, in the last verse of the fourth chapter. The last verse of the entire book of this prophet, to me, it characterizes the exact contrast between God and man. And it's that man finds all, re all sorts of reasons not to love what God loves and who God loves. And I think of Ezekiel 33 when, you know, it's very easy in our human perspective to look around. And there's there's a lot of things you could draw out of this book. But I look at Ezekiel 33 and it's, it's very easy to look around at certain leaders or people in world history or even current and go, oh, they have no shot at eternity. And rather, what we ought to be doing is going like, that person's just gone. We ought to be stopping and looking in the mirror and going, I had no shot at eternity at least not in the presence of the Lord. I have no chance but God. And that's exactly what you see here is the heart of God. 
coming out. Yeah, Jonah, the people in Nineveh were known for horrible things. They were known for very violent things. The word violent is used and it's accurate. So Jonah had this bitterness built up, yet God's heart sees so far past that. In Ezekiel 33, the Lord says, I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that they turn from their evil ways and live. That's the heart of God. And I think it's, you see that same uh, perspective here in the book of Jonah. Yeah. yeah. I agree. I agree. Yeah, yeah. That, that last verse, it's, you know, it's <laughs> in essence, I think God is saying to Jonah, is it right to have more concern for things like that plant that he sent and gave to him than the eternal destiny of human souls? And in Jonah's focus on that the gift of the plant for shade he failed to understand that god is god's eternal compassion is for a world that's in need of him yeah yeah it's yeah there's a like you say there's a lot of things we could draw out of this but I, you know i jason i'd like to share one thing with the with the folks out there if any of you have a Jeremiah study Bible, I'm, I'm taking this out of the Jeremiah study Bible. And for any of you that have that, you know something about it. Every now and then, Dr. Jeremiah throws in there a little blip and he, he calls it tough questions. And in this particular book of Jonah, the tough question he throws in there is around chapter three, verse 10. You know, which which Jason read earlier says, then God saw their works that they turned from their evil way and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring upon them and he did not do it. So Dr. Jeremiah's question is, does God change his mind? Yeah. <laughs> and And he goes on then to give us an answer. And it's the doctrine of immutability says that God is unchanging. You get that from Psalm 102, 26, and 27. Yet three passages in the Old Testament state that God changed his mind about something he did or was going to do. That's Genesis chapter 6, verse 7, 1 Samuel 15, 11, and this one, Jonah 3, 10. From our perspective, it certainly appears that God changed. But when we see God's response from his perspective, we find the consistency that we expect of him and his word. Here's how we can understand these seeming contradictions. Number one, God's change is an accommodation. When God uses language such as, I am sorry I have made man, he is doing it as an accommodation to us, stooping to communicate in the only terms we understand, the language of human. Number two, God's change is an affirmation. God's repentance is not a change of his will. It is his willingness to allow us to change. While it is true that God knows everything in advance, it is a mistake to infer from this that he is incapable of emotion or reaction to his cre creatures. The scriptures show that he is a God who cares deeply for those who may, are made in his image. And he acts according to that love. Number three, God's change is an application. God's immutability does not mean he is immobile. He is consistently pursuing a righteous course 
and thus he adapts his response to people's moral changes. God's unchanging holiness requires that his treatment of the wicked will differ from that of the righteous. When the righteous turned wicked or the wicked turned righteous, the way he treats them must change. God must deal with each of us according to the way we are currently living and particularly according to the ways we change. Well, I love that last part too, about how he, where's that the end of it? Yes. That's I, the I really like that last part where he talks about the righteous, the contrast of the righteous and the wicked and how when the righteous start acting wickedly, he has to act and that act would be discipline. And when the wicked begin acting righteously, he acts. And what is that? Well, that's, he responds to it. And in Christ, the word you could use is adoption. He acts, he brings you in as his own. But what's more cool is, as far as amusement, he decides not to wipe them out like he first intended. Yeah. And what's so cool is that truth of God, his treatment of the righteous and the wicked, though they're treated differently, that has always been a truth of him. He judges wickedness. He upholds righteousness. That's who he is. And though context and circumstances change, that characterization of, of him and that, that attribute about him has never changed. He is immutable. Exactly. Yeah. Well, HT, thank you very much. Uh, do you want to close our time in prayer? Sure. <clears throat> Father, we just thank you for all of the listeners out there that have joined us this evening to just to take a minute and read your holy word. Father, I pray that each of us has gained something from this reading of Jonah, even if we've heard the story a hundred times or we've read it a hundred times in your word. And, you know, I like this particular part that Dr. Jeremiah points out here, I hadn't ever really thought of it in that set of terms before. So I thank you for opening that to me today as I was reading this and looking at it. So Father, we just uh, thank you for your word. Thank you that you cared so much about us that you gave us this word of yours that we can always turn to for anything that we need in life. Father, I just pray that you'll be with each and every person here this evening and you'll bless the rest of their evening, morning, day, or whatever it is, depending on where they are. Then, Father, I want to, as I saw several people putting up on the screen here as we were reading, I really want to remember all those folks in Maui, Hawaii right now that, I mean, Basically, the little town of, of Lahaina is just gone. And my wife and I were talking earlier about, wow, isn't that where we went the first time that we went to Hawaii and went to a luau? Yes, that, that, that's it. So be with those people. Take care of them. Care for them. Find new homes and places to live and survive right now for all of them. And Father, I pray that you'll help them as they attempt to rebuild. So Father, we just thank you for all that you give us, all that you do for us. We just thank you for being our Holy Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, everyone, thank you for joining us, regardless of what time it is, what time zone you're in right now, and you're part of the world. Thank you for joining us and taking the time to be here. If you watch this later, thanks for tuning in and for reading through the book with us. Just a, a couple FYIs.
Uh, we'll pick up again with PRS next Thursday. Uh, we do have our weekly prayer meeting next Monday at 10 a.m. Pacific time. Uh, also, this weekend is Revealing Revelation Montreal. This is our first Revealing Revelation conference in Canada. So if you could just be praying over that, if you're in the Montreal area, uh, the details are on our website. But that takes place tomorrow evening and all day Saturday. So if you could, if at the very least, be in prayer over that. And then Amir's teaching there on Sunday. And so it's, it's a full weekend. But please be praying over the event itself, that it would reach the hearts of believers and even more so the hearts of unbelievers who might be there, that they would find hope through the teaching of the last book of the Bible. And then next week, Amir is traveling all the way back home after being uh, away from Israel for six weeks. So if you could just pray the Lord's blessing over his travels, uh, we would I know that he would greatly appreciate that. And so would we. So uh, have a blessed remainder of your week. Uh, as HT uh, had mentioned, please be praying for the city of Lahaina and that the Christians there would just be a light in this time of, I mean, serious darkness uh, and from multiple angles. Have a blessed rest of your weekend. We'll catch up uh, next week. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day.